Welcome to Japanese London Living. I'm your host, Vanessa Villalobos, and I'm on a very simple mission to fill life with more Japan in London. I'll be uncovering practical ways to enjoy connecting to Japanese language, mindset, and lifestyle in our everyday lives here in the UK. In this first series, I'll be explaining the six steps of my omoshiroi method to bring language and lifestyle together. Today's show, I'll be focusing on a question that is often Googled and leads many people to my website. That is, is it worth learning Japanese? I'll talk about three really important questions to ask yourself. If you're learning Japanese or planning to, I'd like to just invite you to download the Omoshiroi Playbook to explore your motivations. You can grab a copy at japaneselondon.com slash playbook. Okay, let's get on with the show. So, you might not be offended by the F word, but I am. In the last month, I've had two consultation calls with Japanese learners where they just kept dropping the F-bomb without even thinking about it. Fluency. The learners, both complete beginners, wanted to get fluent in Japanese. Quick! Now! Yesterday if possible! I totally identify. One had a time scale of six months and the other a year. But now I'm not one to rain on anyone's parade, but I needed to break the sad news that going from zero to Japanese hero in such a short time would be, well, unlikely. One of them took it well. The other was insulted. Why do you think I can't become fluent in a year if I study every day, she said. I explained that it very much depended on what fluency really means to her. Also, she would need to be highly motivated to reach that level so quickly and devote almost all of her time to make that goal happen. On the other hand, I just spoke to a guy who has been studying Japanese for a long time, but who is now feeling particularly unmotivated, given the global pandemic situation in 2020. Millions of trips to Japan have been cancelled or postponed indefinitely. He said, why bother now when I don't even know when I'll be able to go to Japan? I know that there have been lots of headlines about people learning languages during lockdown. So, wherever you are with it, I'd like to focus on three really important questions to ask yourself when it comes to making a decision on whether learning Japanese is right for you right now and, importantly, what Japanese to learn. 
What I'll cover firstly will be what problem will learning Japanese solve for you in your life? Why do you want to learn it? Secondly, are you even aiming for fluency? And what does the F word mean to you? Finally, what's been stopping you learning Japanese? What obstacles might get in your way? Okay, so firstly, what problem will learning Japanese solve in my life? How will learning Japanese help you progress in your personal life or in your studies or work? What real problems in your life will learning Japanese solve? Here are some really、um, popular examples. I want to be able to order food confidently in a Japanese restaurant. I want to be transferred to Japan through my work. I want to successfully pass a JLPT level, that's a Japanese language proficiency test. I don't want to rely on my Japanese partner or friend to translate everything for me. Do any of these sound familiar to you? They're all very solid reasons to learn Japanese. But let's dig a little deeper. Are you sitting comfortably? Let me tell you a story about Sekichi Toyoda, the founder of Toyota. Toyoda san's father was a well respected carpenter, but the family was poor and lived in a small village in the countryside. Looking for a way out of poverty, the young Toyoda totally geeked out on looms, not cars. I know, right? He was a determined problem solver. In 1891, at the tender age of 24, he had invented and received a patent for his revolutionary design of the Toyoda wooden hand loom. It only needed one hand to operate instead of two. You could say success loomed large. <clears throat> Anyhow, the Toyoda company's Success was thanks to a deceptively simple problem solving technique Toyoda san developed. It goes deep into the root problems as they arise to offer insight to their real cause. The technique is known as the five whys. When looking to fix a problem, he kept on asking, Why until the underlying issue was found? So, for example, if something went wrong with the threads on a loom, Toyoda san would be looking not just to fix that glitch, but farther back into the mechanism. Why had it occurred? If it was because, say, a wooden piece had become warped, why was that? Why was that type of wood used there? Where was it from? Why not use metal? Etc. So, in taking a lesson from this and applying the five whys technique to myself, I find that the problem that Japanese solves for me is that it smooths out the tangles in my brain. 
I find it both fascinating and reassuring. But why is that? Well, I have found that learning Japanese helps me to understand what's important in life better. In fact, it has been a huge factor for me in improving and maintaining my mental health. Why is that? Well, I have over time come to define this as a Japanese mindset. Certain key concepts reflected in Japanese ways of speaking, thinking, and doing things. Indeed, the Japanese language I am particularly motivated to learn is often used to express types of philosophical wisdom. I can't get enough of those marvelous lost in translation words that are so helpful in pinning down the key concepts that make up a Japanese perception of the world. Some examples of these wonderfully expressive words have quite recently become much more familiar in the West. This is thanks to some insightful books of the very same names which have been recently published in English. Wabi sabi is the understanding that everything is impermanent, imperfect, and incomplete. In the past, it's often been translated as a purely aesthetic term, as items can visibly embody this quality. However, the book Wabi Sabi, Japanese Wisdom for a Perfectly Imperfect Life by Beth Kempton, explains it as a whole new way of looking at the world and how to apply it to your life. Highly recommend that, that book. Another key term is Ikigai. There are about a dozen books available on this Japanese concept of finding your personal reason to get out of bed every morning. The Venn diagram, famously put forward by Hector Garcia and Francesc Mirales in their book Ikigai, The Japanese Secret to a Long and Happy Life, has been hugely popular and also controversial with those who say it is far removed from the true definition of Ikigai. I found a little book called Ikigai and Other Japanese Words to Live By by Dr. Mari Fujimoto to be a more elegant and thorough explanation. Shinrin Yoko There are also several books explaining Shinrin-yoku, forest therapy, a type of nature therapy by mindfully being in forests. I like researcher Yoshifumi Miyazaki's book entitled Shinrin-yoku, The Japanese Way of Forest Bathing for Health and Relaxation. It's full of beautiful images and science-backed wisdom. There are many more books available. Kaizen, Kintsugi, Chowa, Omoyari, Shinto, Zen. 
and each offer an interpretation of an aspect of a Japanese wisdom tradition. After trying to absorb the essence of these terms, I am keen to apply my understanding to my own lifestyle. To apply it practically means I can enjoy life more with simple, sustaining rituals and indeed objects. For example, choosing my tea, my teacup, and my teapot carefully and using them mindfully in order to create a tiny, grounding, grounding everyday ritual. I personally look at this learning and application as Japan- of Japanese mindset as my mission or quest. It keeps me sane. Just about. Your why is crucial, but it doesn't need to be deep or long-term or philosophical. It absolutely does not need to be an uphill slog towards the ever-elusive fluency. It is fine to dabble. It's your choice. But it is all about our own unique purpose and motivation. Intentionality is key. So, the second question to ask is, what does fluency mean to me, personally? Given that my life pretty much revolves around all things Japanese, people are sometimes shocked when I tell them I'm not a fluent speaker. I classify myself as a situationally fluent user of Japanese. I'm not anywhere near a native level of proficiency, and what's more, that's fine with me. There are some situations when I can come across as quite fluent. Some social situations, for example, negotiating the train system, the the 7-Eleven transactions, or ordering in a restaurant when travelling in Japan are usually not a problem for me. I can conduct meetings in Japanese if the client has no spoken English. I can tell some hilarious jokes. Also, giving rehearsed short speeches in Japanese is possible for me. My mother, however, is convinced that I am a fluent Japanese speaker. She is a British native English speaker and a monoglot. She has often asked me why I don't get a job as a translator or work in a Japanese company. When I explain that I'm not fluent, she thinks I'm being modest because she sees evidence in me that fulfills her idea of what fluency is. I checked for a dictionary definition of the word fluent as an adjective, and that's to be able to express oneself easily and articulately, to be able to speak or write a particular language easily and accurately. So, according to the dictionary definition of fluency, it says to be able to speak or write. You might want to think about which is more important to you, 
Will you learn them both to the same level? How far might you like to go with it? You might not know at first, but it's so helpful to set some goals and then move the goalposts, if need be, later on. You may already be aware that Japanese is rendered in three interrelated writing systems. Hiragana is essentially a phonetic alphabet system which gives every syllable in Japanese a symbol. Katakana is the same sounds but in a different writing system. It's used to write foreign words, so it's very useful for reading menus in an Italian restaurant in Japan, for example. Finally, kanji are the more complex looking Chinese descended characters which form words and must be learned by stroke order. I love learning the writing system, but I have two young children and currently no need to reach a high literacy level in Japanese. Finding that I was then neglecting it entirely at the beginning of this year, I came across a Tim Ferriss video, you know, the four hour work week guy, in which he demonstrates a Buddha board where you can write calligraphy in water and it disappears as it dries. I immediately grabbed one and a pack of kanji flashcards, and now I practice just one or two every day as a meditative part of my morning routine. I love it. Some learners of Japanese tell me that they'd like to be able to read a newspaper. I ask them, why? Newspapers are available in English too. No, but seriously, to read a Japanese newspaper, you need to know approximately 2,000 kanji. Of course, it is an admirable goal to learn 2,000 kanji, but it's a near native level of proficiency and you'd need a much stronger motivation than simply to read a newspaper. In summary, I believe fluency is a journey, not a destination. I will always seek to improve. For me, it works right now to take tiny steps. Ask yourself, what does fluency mean to me personally? What situations would I like to be fluent in? Of course, to aim for a native or near-native level speaking proficiency is an admirable goal. But is it really necessary for you now or in the future? The third question to ask is, what's stopping you from learning Japanese? Haha, you speak Japanese like a child, laughed a new friend. She had already nicknamed me Ichigo Panchan after a mascot I had on my pencil case. I felt a bit foolish. I faked a laugh, but a lump rose to my throat. Looking back, a lot of us can pinpoint specific experiences with random people or in classes that have made us feel ridiculous about learning a language. 
That experience could have put me off if I'd taken it to heart, and I would have missed out on so much by limiting myself based on one silly person's opinion or perception. It's a good idea when you're trying to move forward to look back and pick out any of those negative experiences you may have had in the past. Chuck them out of your brain. Haters gonna hate. You might find that one stranger's stupid throwaway comment or a tired teacher has unconsciously influenced your attitude for years. Our hidden limiting beliefs can be uprooted to help us move forward. So is it too hard to learn Japanese? People often ask me if Japanese is just too difficult for them to learn. And I say that beginner level Japanese can be surprisingly quick and pain-free to learn. Students are often really excited by how much they can learn and quickly. If it does seem too hard, that's because the goal has not been broken down into manageable steps. How do you eat an elephant? Bite by bite. Another common concern is time. As evidenced by the people I spoke to who wanted to get fluent immediately. People often want things to happen fast. But we have to make time for things to develop. I always start consultations by asking learners why they're feeling the motivation to learn Japanese right now. That is, why now? Will you be able to fit study into your life? How much and when? An hour on Wednesdays? 15 minutes every day? It's really important to get granular on your schedule. Recently, uh, we've taken on some new students for online one-to-one lessons with Japanese tutors who are finding it easier to fit into their schedules now they're working from home. Cost can be another obstacle to learning Japanese. Private tuition is not the solution for everybody. But if it seems too expensive to you, that's because it doesn't hold enough value for you. Perhaps you need to look at how to get the most from your time with a tutor or study independently in different ways using books, apps, flashcards and other programs until perhaps you feel ready to take on a private tutor. Learning Japanese can seem overwhelming. It can seem a bit exclusive, difficult to get into. But the truth is, it's never been more accessible. Japanese culture is hugely popular all over the world these days, and we can easily get hold of resources, film, books, music, and online resources. If it does seem overwhelming, that's because it can be hard to know where to start. Uh, 
Like I said in the previous show, there is a seed of desire to learn. We need to tend to it and plan carefully to create the right environment for growth. Thank you so much for listening. If the omoshiroi approach to learning Japanese resonates with you, I'd like to invite you again to head over to japaneselendon.com slash playbook to get a planner to nail your Japanese learning plan. The playbook is an ebook with an interactive element to it, so you don't need to print it out. Once you've got your plans down, do email them over to me and I will give you feedback, including any recommendations for how to go forward with your Japanese learning. I'm obsessed with filling life with Japan. If you enjoyed this episode, please could you kindly leave a review? Uh, this will help other Japan fans find us here. Yoroshiku onegaishimasu.